Welcome to the Future of Data Centers, a mini podcast series from the viewpoint of server farmers and data growers. In this sustainability-focused series, hear from industry experts as they guide IT leaders on an important journey to combat climate change. Hey everyone, I'm Joel McCower, Chairman and Executive Editor at GreenBiz, your host for this sustainability-focused mini-series with Aaron Chenoy, Vice President of Sales and Marketing, and Sam Brown, Vice President of Engineering and Construction at Server Farm, and journalist and writer Ambrose McNevin. Today, we bring you the third and final episode of our three-part mini-series on the critical and sometimes controversial topics of data center and sustainability. Today, we're going to talk about carbon footprint, uh, what that is and, and, and how, it, how it is and, and what we do about it. Um, so many pledges and commitments uh, to be net zero, the companies, countries have all, are all committing to be net zero by some future date. Uh, and that means we have to understand the carbon in our uh, infrastructures and operations. So uh, Aaron, I'm going to start with you. What's the difference, first of all, just a level set between embodied carbon and operational carbon? Thank you, everyone. Um, so I, let me start with operational carbon. I think it's a, it's a little bit more straightforward. So operational carbon is the carbon footprint associated with the running of a facility. So every bit of energy that comes into the facility, including its upstream uh, carbon footprint, uh, so the kilowatt hour that comes to you from your utility, uh, the accounting of the the source of that that power, whether it's hydroelectric or uh, hopefully not, but a coal-fired you know power plant. So so that's part of the equation, and then everything that happens with that energy within the building, the 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 way electricity and power is distributed within the environment, the way refrigerant is pumped around the facility how all of that is used, um, how the IT equipment behaves. Uh, but by the way, also taking into account things like the transportation of staff to and from a facility, the, 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 the association of the carbon footprint with some of the ancillary um, uh, you know, activities that surround the, the physical infrastructure itself, maintenance events, testing mm-hmm. events, um, the performance of the facility on a hot day. So all of those things go into the operational uh, carbon. And operational carbon is actually very, very easy to track. It is very easy to report. Uh, It's actually something that we can do in real time for our customers. So almost having the sort of concept of a little CO2 ticker as as the facility gets used. Embodied carbon is the footprint that you inherit that you receive as a data center operator at the end of the construction phase. And that involves all of the carbon that has been you know, uh, generated as part of the construction activities, including the upstream carbon that's embodied in things like concrete and in steel and in glass, and the transportation of all of those things to the site from their source. Um, so those are the two elements. So embodied carbon is effectively what you inherit at the start, you know, the starting line of your operational life as a data center. Your operational carbon is everything that you consume uh, thereafter. Yeah. 
So Sam, talk a little bit about why this is important. What is the energy load and and how and efficiency of a data center? Yeah, traditionally, it's been uh, really, really bad. Um, you know, there's the there's the metric power use power utilization effectiveness PUE, and and it started as this really uh, revolutionary is the wrong word, but a, a really um, uh, new idea in the data center, like ways to track energy efficiency, right? And and it had all the best intentions, and now it's this bastardized metric that can be corrupted by anybody. You know, someone says you have a horrible PUE, and they're sort of looking at the wrong things. You have to ask the questions. Well, what's your load? What's your system? What are your temperatures? And, and really get into it. So I, I think that energy efficiency in the data center space is just really poorly understood. And um, as I said, very easily corrupted. And I might just build on, on, on something that just Sam just used and, and sort of PUE having become, you know, this sort of somewhat accidental proxy for how good or otherwise a data center is. I think it is really worth taking a look at the data center industry as a whole and you know, from a server farm perspective, we we almost always compare it to these two other industries, um, and I'll talk a little bit about why. So let's start with hotels. So if you if you had a group of hotels, and you ran your hotel group at thirty percent thirty percent efficiency, thirty percent utilization, in other words, thirty percent of your hotel rooms were you know, we're occupied on a regular basis. Would you succeed in business? You absolutely would not. Uh, not for very long, certainly, and not in any way that, that has some kind of financial return. But somehow, the data center industry has been operating in that way. In other words, facilities being built at scales larger than most people used, and I'm talking primarily about enterprise facilities you know, that have been developed sort of in the last sort of 30 years and, and since. Um, so that's kind of one industry that we that we compare ourselves with. And we say the data center industry in general is actually a very, very inefficient use of real estate. So we kind of think about that as, you know, one of the sort of guiding principles, you know, as to how we become more sustainable, how we become more efficient. By the way, those two things absolutely go hand in hand with each other. The second part of it then is reliability and safety. And we often compare ourselves to the airline industry. Um, and that is that if you ran an airline like you run a data center, again, you would have significant problems if that were the case. In other words, you should not run an airline like you would a data center. And so the, the, the reverse of that logic then I think applies perfectly well as well. And that is why aren't data centers run like airlines or at least like aviation in the sense that you have that you have telemetry of all of your critical systems. You have the right information as and when you need it. All of that is governed and structured by process and discipline. Only the right people do the right tasks, only the right people with the right expertise are allowed to touch systems in the right way. And the reason I'm saying all of this is it is incredibly important to not only design and build data centers well, and by well, I'm talking really about kind of the sustainability credentials of, you know, of those types of environments, 
but did you also operate them equally well? So, you know, you have to, from a sustainability perspective, and 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 I'm going to talk a little bit about greenwashing in a second, so, so remind me if I forget. It is, it is incredibly important that you do both sides of the equation. We talked about this at the start. We defined embodied carbon and, and operational carbon. Well, it's not good enough for me to say to the market, well, I, I have a great operational sustainability story. I'm fine. Because it might mean that my embodied carbon story is so horrible that I'm actually a long way from fine. Or the reverse might be true. I have a fantastic embodied carbon story because I didn't build a new facility. I just took on an old one. But I run it so inefficiently and so unreliably that I destroy those credentials once again. So you have to do both. Now, I talked about greenwashing. So let me just talk, let me put that sort of topic on the table. Our industry is filled with people who say, I buy green power, therefore I'm sustainable. After having built a 20 megawatt facility that's half empty, that's criminal in my mind. That is not sustainability. That is simply saying, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon because it's a lovely thing to do and I can tell all my customers. And this is where I think it's really, really important for the end users, the people that ultimately have the demand, and that is for them to absolutely mandate that they really and truly understand the sustainability of the infrastructure that they're sitting inside and that they know what the embodied carbon story looks like and they know what the operational carbon story looks like and their ability to portray that to their internal customers and stakeholders and you know the, the wider industry. So this is a demand-driven uh, thing. People, it's not a matter of if you if you build it, they'll come. It's if if they they'll demand it, you'll build. Uh, I'm wondering, Ambrose, what you're seeing in terms of the demand. Obviously, uh, Sam had mentioned Microsoft, and and I, I would submit that Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Apple are all in that same uh, realm of having made significant carbon reduction commitments. But what about beyond that? Are you seeing this demand for lower carbon? Uh, impact data centers, is that growing? I think if you put it in the context of, of the broader economy, then then one has to say that that there's nothing else on the table, it, it seems. In, in the in specifically about big tech, and we talk, we in the industry talk about hyperscale data centers and, and what those guys are doing. They've, they've, they're making doing some incredible things in terms of innovation um, and um, investment, both investment for energy source. Uh, investment in new energy storage, investment in new operations, and all of that is is to be command, uh, commended. And they obviously are doing this because they've got a user base of literally billions of people. So they're very sensitive to a, uh, a global reputational harm that could be done by, by being uh, uh, identified as large carbon producers. Uh, and I'm pretty confident they'll hit their targets of net zero or uh, uh, completely, uh, including you know all carbon that 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 they produce uh, by by 2030. But that's not an easy journey to go on. Um, and to your question, then it, to, on the demand side, um, corporates then have to take that on board for every data center supplier. You cannot outsource your carbon to somebody else and say, well, I don't operate a data center. I've got it in a third party or I've got it in a cloud. And that increasingly is rising up the agenda for them. So carbon footprint becomes increasingly important. 
because there's, there, we know that you know the regulators, the governments, the EU, the US is on the journey to starting to create new tax environments that take carbon into account. So you cannot ignore it at this scale. Once you get into the megawatt level, which many, many enterprises have, so you get above 250 kilowatts, you get out of the retail space and data center terms, then that has to be accounted for. And you know that, that's a line item on the bill um, and, it, and it's taxable. And you're going to have to be transparent about where it is. So it, it then falls on the data center industry um, uh, as a server firm does, is just to be completely transparent uh, about that. Um, I do think there are really interesting uh, elements to that around um, operations and what an operational carbon footprint looks like, because, you know, as, as we all know about uh, uh, infrastructure equipment, you know, when it comes down to your, your, your energy source, your energy storage, and then your engagement with, uh, with the grid. Um, so what does that look like? In, in 2028, you know, this is going to be a difficult journey for, for a lot of operations. Um, but, it, but ultimately, I think it's going to be demand driven and that's going to push the industry um, into that, that reporting phase, accurate reporting phase that it has to achieve. So, Ambrose, is the demand, does that include embodied carbon? I would imagine that most of the focus would be on the operational side. Uh, what is actually, do they talk about embodied at all? Do they even understand that? I think that, that that's the perfect question because most human beings are simple and that's quite a complex thing. So anybody who's got responsibility for that until it's pointed out to them probably haven't even considered it. Um, so in the, it's the same in the commercial commercial uh, office space or commercial building uh, uh, environments. You know, if you've got the if you've got the the head of HSBC saying he's got a forty one percent of his office building in Canary Wharf in London, he doesn't need. Well, what's the car embodied carbon price of that? Mm. So he can be commended for saying, "I'm I'm going to find a, a way to uh, reuse it," um, but no one is even talking about embodied carbon at this stage. Yeah. So, Sam, how does all this change the way that you think about designing and uh, building or, or retrofitting data centers? It's funny. I think that um, for for me in particular, um, it it really. It would only, um, I guess, serve as a differentiator for Server Farm. Um, we have made it a practice within our group to reuse buildings. It, it's not something that we just picked up in the last few years. I mean, this is part of our DNA. It and it's hard. I mean, it's really hard. Not every building is, you know, twenty-seven foot clear heights, and you know, can hang, you know, a. a a semi truck from the rafters. I mean, it's, it's really challenging to, to repurpose, um, you know, class B and C office buildings or warehouses or, or whatever for, um, you know, current data center or two current data center standards. So for me, it's, it's old hat. We we've been doing it. I've been doing it since I was in the business, not to say that it's forever, but you know, it's, it, I think it just serves as, um, um, when people start understanding the difficulties that come with that and the creative thought that's required, it, it totally changes the, the using an existing building changes your um, critical path and your schedule. It changes, um, you know, what you do from a, a building perspective. You, modular solutions are super popular 
can't use them in existing buildings a lot of times because it just doesn't allow for it. Um, so, yeah. And since companies are, are now being asked to measure and track and report, disclose their, their, their carbon footprint, and so they can assess where they are on their net zero journey, are you able to to track and and give them the data on the embodied carbon when you when when they step into a uh, metaphorically step into a uh, retrofitted data center is that something that you can measure and and then uh, allow them to then claim the, those reductions? Yeah, we have worked with some of our partners to put together different tools that allow us to do that. Obviously measuring embodied carbon for a building that was built in 1945 is going to be really, really challenging um, because <laughs> fuels were different and who knows where it all came from. But but we what we try to do is show using current building practices, using, you know, what we'd call, you know, just standard um, design and construction means and methods. This is what your embodied carbon would be if you built a net new facility that was of the same, you know, brick and mortar, steel columns and trusses, whatever. And, and we can show them that offset and, and um, at least give them some indication of, uh, you know, the net benefit of, of using an existing facility that Server Farm might be offering. Um, but yeah, so that, yes to that, but looking at a true embodied carbon, I think is almost impossible. Yeah. And well, I think just to just to build on, on Sam's point, it, to many to it, in many senses, the the carbon footprint of an existing facility, it, let's call it sunk. It already happened. Our job is to try and as little as possible add to the baseline of today. So let's say we we take on a 20-year-old building or a 50-year-old building. To a certain extent, it doesn't really matter that we're not able to forensically go back and say that's where that particular you know, kilogram of CO2 came from. We know that that's kind of baked in. It already exists. Somebody already paid for it, That, which is, by the way, all of us. So we've already paid for that particular bit of footprint. Let's do everything that we possibly can as an industry to not add to it. So if I think about the differences between the two um, and showing our customers that the delta, if we take that as the baseline, the delta is really the embodied carbon associated with a net new facility. And that's what they're avoiding. And by avoiding that for each megawatt of IT capacity, they effectively have a four-year head start in terms of operational carbon effectively being baked into you know, the efficiency of going with you know, an existing facility. Yeah. So let's kind of put that into perspective because most organizations who are not yet asking their operators, their service providers to distinguish between operational and embodied are kind of looking at the, well, if I use two megawatts of capacity, as long as there are two megawatts worth of trees being planted, then I'm fine. Actually, what we're saying to people is for the next four years, you don't have to worry about any trees being planted because those trees are already factored in. In fact, let's plant some trees anyway. Let's plant four years worth of trees and give you a plus four year head start in terms of maybe becoming carbon negative. So forget about the, you know, you're positive or you might be net zero. 
you know, let's go, you know, kind of paying off, you know, into the future and let's start early. So there are lots of ways that we can do that. But to go back to your question, it is not yet a mature requirement expressed on the part of the, the end user, whether they're hyperscalers or not, to genuinely understand and forensically so the concept of embodied and operational and the trade-off between you know, new, new and existing facilities. Yeah. Can I just ask, uh, add to that, if I may, uh, Aaron, on that? Um, there, there's a set of principles, and, and the construction industry is making, you know, fantastic uh, strides uh, uh, itself. However, for, for your point, Aaron, you know, just ask an end user to say to its designer, its architect, its construction company, as has been suggested, you know, from from a, a, a set of principles about, you know, achieving a net zero carbon building. And the question that says, uh, you know, to reduce construction impacts is a whole life carbon assessment should be undertaken and disclosed for all construction projects to drive carbon reductions. Now, inside that sentence is a huge amount of just imagine trying to get a large construction project and say to somebody, this is the data I would like. And then it says the embodied carbon impacts from the product and construction stages should be measured and offset at practical completion. Good luck. I think if you want to ask a construction company today for that, for any large scale construction project, um, and then say, you know, and I expect that to be priced in, it's not going to cost me anything. Uh, um, I would say good luck. Whereas I think with server farms approach, as Sam said, it's in the DNA of the business is to reuse existing buildings and say, look, with this, we've already priced this in um, and we can give you the data for, for exactly how much, what it means in terms of your embodied carbon pr- uh, footprint. And then more as importantly, your operational mm. footprint going forward. Yeah. And I think you can safely say that as if you look at your most demanding customer right now in terms of environmental uh, requ- requirements, that is soon going to be the new normal. So I think you have to be thinking about this uh, now, even if people aren't necessarily asking for it, but they soon will be. Um, well, with that, uh, gentlemen, thank you for a great conversation. And uh, that wraps up not only this episode, but this three-part miniseries. Uh, so thanks for joining us, Aaron, Sam, and Ambrose, and discussing what lies ahead for data centers and sustainability. For more insightful episodes of the future of data centers, be sure to check out serverfarmllc.com forward slash podcast for additional episodes available on demand, as well as other upcoming mini podcast series.